The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Thursdays here at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Oh, on the eve of a huge recruiting in showcase weekend for Nebraska football, Greg Smith will talk all about it. A recruiting insider with Hale Varsity in about 10 minutes. They'll make that 15 minutes. Greg will be up uh, shortly. Some thoughts from Will Bolt. It was media day down in Fayetteville. Some Thoughts from the head Husker on the diamond. Gary Barnett in one hour. (laughs) Just how buckled up do you got to be as a college coach this June with official visits, with unofficials, with camps, uh, with all of that going on, and you're trying to slam it all in, in in a month and a half, still squeezing some vacation, and then, oh, yeah, here's the season. So, uh, Barney will be with us to talk uh, about that. Uh, recruiting thoughts uh, off the get-go here in a moment. And then uh, we'll get some insight on Nebraska, on Arkansas, on college baseball, on the trip to Omaha with a three-time champ, friend of the show for a long time, three-time national champion, former head coach at Oregon State. He's down in Dallas. He uh, Coach Casey landed safely down in Dallas as Oregon State's in the TCU Regional so we caught up with him uh, and excited to chat with Coach Casey at 525, an extended sit-down. And uh, Coach Casey knows uh, Coach Van Horn and Coach Bolt real well, and he goes back a long ways with the the Moose, with Bill Moose. So excited to, to, to chat some college baseball. Numbers to get in today, 466 5865 can email chris at hale and uh, can find and follow us on twitter at schmidt underscore radio at herbal essence for elijah herbal and uh, some recruiting thoughts off the the bat about an hour and a half ago mj morris said well put your pinky and your uh index finger up and stick out your two other fingers on top of your thumb a little wolf pack love for nc state you looked at me confused, Elijah, like you don't remember watching and re-watching and watching again the Hangover series. I, I was doing the thing with my hand as you were talking, and it didn't mm-hmm. finally click mm-hmm. until you said do the little wolf pack thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. See, we used to call that the donkey. Yeah. Why? Just because we would torment my, my younger brother with that nickname. <laughs> we would just we'd do this little hand signal like we're NWO uh, from wrestling back in the day, and he's scarred for life. It's therapy. I promise you uh, when he, when he got that nickname, but NC state is the topic. And we'll see if Morris is also going to, going to star on the diamond. 
So Nebraska's quarterback, uh, well, is still in play with Torres this weekend. And perhaps Bianco, as we told you late yesterday, uh, reported by rivals, the 18th of, Ju- of June is when uh, Bianco, the uh, the quarterback out of Hawaii, will, will make his visit. So Nebraska's still in an okay spot. I honestly think, and this is not any inside info, but I think they just really like uh, the upside and, and opportunity with Torres and Bianco probably a little bit more than Morris. I think the, the two quarterbacks they like for 2022 are still in play for Nebraska. Jake Applegate, great workout for him. Uh, pride of Lincoln Southeast, really awesome ball player. Did well with his Nebraska workout. Did a workout for P.J. Fleck in Minnesota. Got an offer from Minnesota. So uh, that is a reality. And oh yes, a former five-star defensive back from The Ohio State University is on campus. Nebraska has two scholarships to use, two available And defensive back seems to kind of be, defensive back secondary seems to be one of the positions they're looking at. And uh, Tariq Johnson is uh, a guy that is uh, a Jacksonville native and uh, made his trip to Lincoln. So they wanted the kid out of Tulsa. I don't know that, that things have completely shut and locked on that. But, hey, Johnson's a kid. Think about how good Ohio State secondary has been. This kid was the, the fifth-ranked player in the country as a defensive back, top player out of the, in the state of Florida uh, in the secondary. And, and, of course, Ohio State gets who they want. And he was a 2018 kid, redshirted the 19, and has played uh, in, in 12 games uh, throughout his Ohio State career. So he's got a free pass. He's looking at Nebraska. There are worse decisions to make uh, than to go play corner or safety for Travis Fisher. Now, where does Nebraska stack up? Does Tariq look at other options in Florida? Time will tell. But Nebraska's done well with the, the grad transfer situation. We look uh, Kalarovic at, at linebacker and Toure at wide receiver. This, though, is is a guy that, hey, I'd take, right? And, and it's nothing against what you got opposite Cam Taylor Britt at corner. You just want a little more depth at that spot. And uh, the, the kid's got the speed, the agility, the talent, the measurables to, to get a look at Ohio State and then go play occasionally at Ohio State. So adding that to your, to your defensive backfield, adding that to your team, to me, if you can get them, is a no-brainer. Uh, not that there's anything promised, not that there's uh, a, a spot really open, but you can go work for that spot opposite Cam Taylor, Britt at corner, Elijah. And you've got Clark there. And, and then you've got some, some guys that are, that are fighting to uh, uh, Newsom and then Clark, excuse me. But that, that's your, your pecking order. And then what else do you have? you got some guys that are still kind of trying to make some progress and, and, and find their way on the field in that secondary. So we'll see what happens here with uh, with Johnson if Nebraska can seal the deal. Yeah, and we've been saying on this show for years, I feel like since I have even got hired by this show was that Nebraska will always 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 want more competition. Uh that's what you should want as a football team uh to create the best possible football team. And I, I think that was a problem that what people were saying with the whole Joe Burrow situation is why didn't you at least go give it a try? Why didn't you try to bring in more competition? So I think this is a, a big sign that they're recruiting this kid. I mean, 
I don't think he played because he was bad. He's a five star. Uh, he's been. I, don't know, I think he played because they had guys that are in, the, in on playing on Sunday like, in look, front of. Look him. at all the first round. I mean, Damon Arnett. I, th- I think he was a first round pick. Akuda uh, well, was third a- overall. Akuda was a first round pick. Sean Wade this past year was looking like he was going to be a, a first mm-hmm. round pick. Um, I mean, there's just so many guys in that Ohio State secondary. This guy could step in and be the best cornerback that Nebraska's got. Uh, I don't know anything about him. I haven't actually seen him play for Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Um, so he could step in and just be a bench warmer too. I don't know. Um, but why would you say no to this competition? If he's willing to come here, Nebraska recruited him way back when, uh, whenever he was coming out of high school. Uh, he had a Nebraska offer, um, but he also had, I think, Alabama offer, he, Clemson offer, he Notre Dame offer. Who. He could go wherever he wanted right. to. So the fact that you can get a second chance with this kid and he'd have two years of eligibility – why not? Bring him in. Bring him in. Just see if you can get him. <laughs> That's also true. We'll, we'll talk about who's going to be here uh, on uh, Friday Night Lights for Nebraska. A uh, wonderful setting. Fans will be uh, out in full throat. And uh, you've got some some talent that will be on hand. Uh, defensive linemen, wide receivers, running backs, quarterbacks. Uh, that is good. And we'll talk to Greg Smith about that. Okay. Uh, Mitch Sherman. We love talking to Mitch. We love Mitch's work with the athletic and, uh, he did his profile with Nebraska football and the state of the program. And, and he really laid it out well. And I want you to I mean, go read it, but you've got a high stakes season, which is true. And you have strengths that you've not had before on this football team. So a couple of S's here, stakes and strengths. And and really what this year kind of boils down to me, and there was some, some commentary by other Big Ten coordinators and coaches about Nebraska, right? When it comes to other coaches' thoughts on the Nebraska offense, it's this. They, they are so... Uh, kind of grab bag, and that's a compliment where you don't really know what to expect from Nebraska's offense because they, they they throw a bunch of different things at you and then they attack from all over when it's working, right? And, and that's one thing with Nebraska fans. They're a little cranky about identity, and I get it. What, what does Nebraska do well? What can Nebraska maul you with? What can they win with on offense? And what they've done well the last couple of years is set up the quarterback draw. And Adrian's done well, or it was Luke running, right? Or when when Mills was was healthy, they they, they had a run again. Nebraska's offensive line averaged uh, over 200 yards rushing a game, and that was second only to Ohio State. They averaged just shy of five a carry. That was also second to Ohio State. So Nebraska can run the football. And they've gotten better at being able to run the football when they want to run the football and when they have to run the football. There's the difference, right? Can you run it when you want to? Do you run it? And can you run it when you have to? And that's how you win in the Big Ten. So defensively, with all the starters back, with the confidence level they have defensively, and you you saw nice steps taken defensively last year. Can you make that bigger step in, in, in being a difference maker there's a reset when it comes to, to special teams. We think that'll be better. And, uh, you know, I was thinking back to this, and it was it was odd. It was a little funny. And this was after Nebraska ended up missing a bowl game. It was year two. The, the hype and the buildup for 2019, you start out ranked, you lose in Colorado, you lose on a last-second field goal at home. 
uh, after a, a furious comeback against Iowa. It was looking like it was going into overtime, right? And then Iowa does what they've done to you, and that's make you hurt and drink excessively uh, with, a, with a last-second play made to win at the buzzer. You know, Nebraska, right then and there, you saw Nebraska come out with the two-year extension, right? And you're like, well, wow, you're just two years in, and now Frost gets a two-year extension? What's that about? Other than throwing support behind your coach, and you just miss going 6-6 six and six and going to a bowl game back in 2019. And I think about it now, and think about what Nebraska's done since then. Last year was last year. It was a nightmare that, that everyone had to fight through, but it was a nightmare for programs that needed more, some programs more than others, Nebraska, that needed a chance to just continue to work on themselves, and that was cut short. But when you get this two-year extension, Nebraska had a chance to remodel a little bit. And I think you've seen that remodeling. You've seen the attrition, yes, but you've seen the remodel of the body types they want at running back and what you've seen at wide receiver. And it's been a it's been a process. Can guys play at this size? Don't know. Can we go get bigger bodies if we're Nebraska? They've done that in the running back room and they've done that in the wide receiver room. So I think that that will be really cool to see how it takes form and takes shape this year. But overall, uh, for Nebraska, when we talk state of the program, it's really about the Big Red doing something they haven't done in the Frost tenure. And I think they can do it, but it's really up to them to to make it a reality. And, and that's with an experienced quarterback, go win some of these games that have slipped through your fingers. And it's 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 killed these guys to not finish. And that's kind of the theme this year is to finish. And yet you have the opportunity with an offensive line you feel good about, with a, with a four-year starter at quarterback you feel good about, that there hadn't been anything he hasn't seen. Either the, the mental side of things with having to watch and, and be benched or the physical side of things now getting the league and how, how tough and physical it is and staying healthy and, and being at a, at a weight where he can be more agile. That, that has happened, and you still got to go play the season. But Nebraska, to me, what it boils down to when we talk about this fan base and we talk about Nebraska fans and what you want, yes, you want minimum six wins. Yes, you want a bowl game. Yes, you want to be competitive. But to me, I'm anxious to see this team grow and win some ball games that are tight, that are one-score games, that are just true vintage Big Ten games where it's going to be 24 to 20, where it's going to be 27, 21. You've been on the wrong side of that by your own doing more times than not. Credit, credit Iowa, credit Ohio State, credit Colorado, right? They've made some plays to come back and find a way to, to stick the knife in. Northwestern, for God's sake. A <laughs> couple of times. But you've, you've, you've been good enough to win. Now it is year four. It is time to win and, and quit toying with a Purdue. Quit toying with the Northwestern. And maybe Northwestern's a, a, a bad take or a bad example. Beat Iowa. Find a way to, to beat Wisconsin. Do some of these things. And it's okay to get closer and still not get. It's hard to win in Madison. Okay. I'm not going to 
sugarcoat that. That's obvious. But you sure as hell can do well at home. And your road games, there might be a lot of coin flip discussions about them being tough, tough sells. Or, yeah, I don't know, as we talk in June. But this team, I think, needs to find a way to win more of those road games at Minnesota. Go get a win at, at East Lansing. Go get a win at home against Iowa. Go, go kick the season off in the ultimate tone setter with this ominous schedule at, at Illinois. It's doable. You're a better football team, I think, many of us think. Go make it happen. Yeah, I, I look at the talent here, and the talent is getting closer to the talent that Bo Pelini had in his time at Nebraska. Closer. It's not there yet. But I, I think the talent on this roster this year is better than any year that Mike Riley had. So, I would you, say I would say Mike Riley's talent level that he inherited in 2015. Other, you know, I, I, I hear what you're saying, though. You've built up. Now go do it. Greg Smith's next. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for spending time. Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Gary Barnett, his take on just how a coach should attack this June, this year, with officials, unofficials, and camps, and everything being slammed into well, a few weeks before a season starts, we welcome in Recruiting Insider with Hale Varsity, Dot Com and Magazine, Greg Smith, at Greg Smith HV on Twitter. Greg, do you have all three laptops and seven phones working? How are you? <laughs> Actually, I'm very well. Actually, you're not that far off from the situation setup that I've got over here. Uh, but I am busy, but good. Greg's command center has no Phoenix gear in sight, correct? I had to get that in on you. I had to get that in to, to begin the interview. Yeah, it's fine. We can we can kick it off there. Elijah was talking to me about it before I came on to. Um, you stayed on you the know, line. <laughs> I, I did, I did. But, you know, the AD injury kind of changed the game. I, I don't have a good feeling about my Lakers here today. Well, we we spoke we spoke with Jacob yesterday, and he's got a, a t shirt for you. So that's all. That's all. <laughs> and you have a match for him. I know you've got a match and some lighter right. fluid. So I've let's, got a dog. <laughs> there you do. Uh, Tariq Johnson. Let's go there. Five star from Ohio State, defensive back, high level dude. Nebraska kicks this whole weekend off with him today. Greg, talk to me about your feel on on Tariq Johnson, the Ohio State transfer option. Who's Nebraska competing with? Yeah, I think it, it well a lot of teams. I think a, a lot of teams are, are wanting to get in on a guy who's a former five star player, was one of the top players in the twenty eighteen class overall. I think he's a top twenty or so player in that cycle. Uh, the problem that he ran into is, is that Ohio State has a room full of those dudes, right? He sat behind a couple of uh, first round picks already. I think there's another one uh, that'll be a first rounder in the twenty twenty two draft as well. Um, Nebraska did a good job to get him on campus this week and host him. Uh, show what they've got. Um, Nebraska has really decided to make it looks like cornerback a real priority in the transfer portal. We talked about Caleb Evans last week, I think, um, the guy out of Tulsa, who I'm not sure if they'll end up getting a visit from, but Nebraska pushed hard there. Um, it, it's good on them to get him on campus for a visit if you want to just try to add the best players available uh, before this season. You know, and your take on, on, on Johnson here, is he a guy that you'd 
think could go win the job opposite Cam Taylor Britt, or are you still okay with Newsom and Clark's availability there? He'd be he'd be a luxury, is what I'm getting at. But he'd also, I mean, he'd he'd be a high level dude. Yeah, I think so. I, I think that he'd be a guy that would at least compete in that mix with those guys for sure. Um, and and if he couldn't, you know, lock down a starting role, he at least bolsters your special teams. I think that we've seen the importance of that over the last couple of seasons with Nebraska. Um, we saw that actually happen with the Dab Joseph, the other former five star that they had locked in um, last cycle or previously. So he didn't come in and start right away. But you just want to continue to increase the competition um, in all areas of the team because it could do nothing but help your team overall. Greg, let's get into quarterbacks for 2022. I know Torres will be in town tomorrow. Uh, Morris committing to NC State. Tim Beck getting his quarterback for 2022 uh, off to ACC land. What's your read right now as with Torres and Bianco? And, and then kind of give us your take on the uh, the Morris situation. Yeah, I, I think that Torres coming in, or first of all, I thought that it, it was always a little interesting to me um, that Morris did not set an official visit to come back to Nebraska, and to my knowledge, didn't set an official visit to go check out anywhere um, in this month of June or go work out for any school. So I think that that ended up kind of souring the situation. Might be too strong over how to describe it with him in Nebraska, but I do think that gave Nebraska some pause um, when he didn't want to either come work out or meet face to face with the coaches uh, because you know they like to do that, especially with their quarterbacks. You know, they were hesitant last year with Harburg without getting to see him throw in person. So it's just the way that they like to roll there. So Richard Torres is coming in uh, tomorrow, like you said. Um, big six six two ten kid out of San Antonio, Texas. Got a really strong arm. I would say that he's more of a thrower than a runner, but he has adequate athleticism. Um, and so with him and Bianco coming from Hawaii, who will also be here on an official visit, uh, I think the Huskers are looking to try to have their quarterback situation for 22 wrapped up sometime this month in June. We'll see if that ends up working out for him. Greg Smith's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Greg, when I look at Bianco and Torres, I kind of see two guys that look a little bit more like Heinrich Harburg as opposed to Logan Smothers or Adrian Martinez. Do, do you think that's fair? And do you think that the Husker coaching staff, maybe after seeing what Heinrich Harburg brought in the spring, might be moving that direction a little bit more in, uh, in, in the quarterback play? Yeah, I do think that that's fair. That's a good call out because I, I think that there, Nebraska is starting to look a little bit more. It feels like at quarterbacks that are throwers first, um, but still have enough athleticism to get outside of the pocket or hurt you with their legs. Um, I feel like we are destined to be calling uh, Henrik Harburg sneaky athletic for the next however many years uh, he's at Nebraska. Um, I think he'll take it. He is an athletic kid. He's definitely with a great track, um, track and field guy out, out of Kearney Catholic as well. But I do think that there's a subtle shift there happening with that quarterback position, which is good for this offense. If you have a guy, and we've seen it in the past other places, that can deliver the football on time and accurately, I think that makes this offense that much more dangerous. Greg, what do you make of, of Jake Applegate and, and what he was able to show at Nebraska this week, but also the fact that, that Fleck got a visit and a workout as well? Yeah, I think if you've seen him in person called those games at Lincoln Southeast. He's a stud. I thought that he would come away uh, with an offer after coming and working out with Nebraska. I think Nebraska was really smart to get him on campus the very first time you could um, to have that workout. And I know that he told me that he was really happy with that being the case, and it showed how much interest they had in him. Um, but that's not the only place he's going to go and get offers from. He's going to go to a number of camps this month, including Lindenwood here tomorrow. Um, I don't think that'll be the last big offer that 
Jake Applegate picks up this offseason. You just hope that the hometown team can win out. Uh, but we'll also have to see what position the Huskers end up liking him at because they've talked to him about tight end, inside linebacker, outside linebacker. They could really take him as a true athlete, which also raises his value in a class, too. Well, linebacker, you know, are you – where is is Nebraska in a good spot, or are they just gonna gonna hybrid it? Meaning that they they look for guys that can play inside or out, and they'll decide. Are are they heavy with inside now? Do, they, do you like what they have for outside? Because to me, I mean, Applegate can can do whatever he wants. I think he's a super super talent. But I look at him as a, as an as an outside backer just first glance with his athleticism and size. That's what I think, too, and I actually think that he could be a guy like kind of like uh, Isaac Gifford yes. was or like Jojo Doman. Like, I think that they, like, they really have something, it seems like, with being able to try and recruit to that like specific position. Um, and, and you kind of get in. Applicant's not necessarily a tweener, but he's a guy that's athletic enough that can play outside backer and hold up against the run, but also definitely fast enough to cover guys. Um, and that could be a really nice position for Nebraska to continue to develop going forward. Now, Greg, do you see this more as a recruitment that's going to play out now that he's starting to get some of these bigger offers? Do you think he's going to keep on going to camps, keep on getting offers, and wait and see what happens? Or do you think maybe the hometown school is going to win out and he's just going to be a you know, Nebraska kid at heart and end up committing to the Huskers before he really lets uh, his recruitment play out throughout his high school season? I think that he's going to still go to these camps and see who offers um, because it's just been so long since these schools have been able to see him, and guys are competitive. They want to get out and show what they can do. Um, but at this point, it would surprise me if he ends up somewhere other than Nebraska. Uh, but I, I don't blame him for wanting to get out there and show the country what he can do either. Let's talk about roll call, Greg. Some names that will be in town tomorrow at the Friday Night Lights camp. You'll be down there uh, checking things out. I know 6 to 8. So who are some of the names you're interested in? I know we've talked to Torres. I, I have Sampson, uh, Landon Sampson circled, the, the Southlake Whiteout, and also I really like what, what Justin Williams can bring to the party. But who else, maybe including those guys, are, are you interested in? Yeah, I'm actually, of all of the guys, I think that those two are the next two that I'm most interested in. I think Justin Williams being a guy who is about six foot, 200 pounds running back out of Georgia, looks a lot like Gabe Irvin to me. Um, he, he's got more offers than Irvin had coming out of high school, but he plays some good quality football down in Georgia. I'm interested to see how the Huskers can make a big impression on him. Landon Sampson is a guy, a receiver, um, who I am, I am still surprised that he does not have more offers. He's six one, about 180. Um, he catches everything in sight, and he plays with, I think, the number one quarterback in the entire country, Clint Ewers, um, who's already committed to Ohio State, so sorry. Um, so hopefully the Huskers um, can do some big damage with him early so that he does not end up going on an official or unofficial to Ohio State. It's only a matter of time, I think, before they start poking around with mm-hmm. him. Um, you've got a couple of defensive linemen that are coming in. Uh, Nico Davalier from Arkansas, um, who I think the Huskers are battling Arkansas with. Our four, you have Jalen Marshall coming in from uh, Overland Park, Kansas, is another defensive lineman who's a really versatile kid. Um, a couple offensive linemen as well. I think Nebraska has a good um, opening weekend visitor list, and I think that they want to try and make as big of an impression as they can before guys start getting out around the country. Then it shows that, hey, you're a priority if we're wanting to bring you in here for the very first weekend. Greg, do you, do you expect things to, to pop here in June, or is it just going to be kind of an ongoing 
marathon versus sprint here before December with with I mean, and a lot of people are in the same boat trying to slam everything in in June. And I know Nebraska will do it right and, and they'll they'll pick up. But do you feel good about the, the direction with with how things have been laid out so far? Yeah, I feel good about the direction. I do think that things are going to pick up this month. I think that a lot of guys have been rightfully waiting to be able to have these visits here. And I think these first couple of weeks, especially the kids um, that only have one or two official visits uh, that they want to get in here early in the month and get them out of the way. And Nebraska has a couple of those kids that will be on campus um, this weekend. You know, you look at offensive lineman Valen Erickson out of Chicago. Um, he's a kid that doesn't have another official visit on the books right now. He was also here for the spring game. I think things could move quick with him. Um, I think Nebraska would be more than happy to start really gaining some momentum for this 2022 class before a season that I think is going to really you know, dictate whether or not the class pushes up um, as high as they would like to. Greg, uh, less than a minute here, but talk to you about Linwood down kind of St. Louis region. Uh, break that down for folks that, that may be just catching up. Yeah, it's going to be a huge camp down there in the St. Louis suburbs uh, tomorrow and on Saturday. I think there's a, a number of Nebraska kids uh, that are heading down there. If you you heard the name Daniel Kalen uh, on the show this week, uh, 2024 quarterback at Bellevue West, who has yet to start a game but has an offer from Nebraska and Florida State. He'll be down there, as will a number of other Nebraska kids. I think that's going to be a great uh, camp for exposure for a lot of different kids that are hoping to get their names out there. It's not just 2022 kids. I think that those 23 and 24 kids are definitely looking to get their names out there uh, and really show a, a whole host of coaches what they can do. Nebraska staff will be out there at that camp as well. Greg, thanks for the work and uh, keeping all the Nebraska fans up to date on on this uh, Big Red Weekend. Friday Night Lights gets going tomorrow night and uh, follow Greg on Twitter at GregSmithHV. HailVarsity.com for the updates. Greg will run you down early next week to get your recap and appreciate your time today. Hey, no problem, man. Have a good weekend. There he is, Greg Smith. We didn't, we had so much, we didn't even get a chance to ask Greg what he's grilling this weekend. He said nothing. I will be calling and reporting and reporting and calling. Uh, We'll get some thoughts from Will Bolt next. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Buddy, college baseball thoughts on the regionals this weekend. Uh, Pat Casey, former Oregon State head coach, Three-time champ, uh, he'll break down Nebraska-Arkansas and just what uh, Coach Bolt's done this year. Also, some thoughts on Rob Childress. That's coming up here in about 40 minutes. Gary Barnett, it is silly season, not the the normal silly season with the coaching carousel, but the silly recruiting season as uh, camp underway tomorrow night for Nebraska. Just heard from Greg Smith. Greg's take and insight will be up shortly, if not already. ESP at Lincoln.com, the on-demand, who's coming, who he's interested in uh, from this uh, visit weekend for Nebraska. And also ESPN Lincoln on Twitter. Numbers to get in, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. We'll talk with Coach Barnett about going from that running quarterback to a throwing quarterback, or at least uh, that's been on my mind. And you see that shift a little bit, uh, to your point, uh, Elijah, about a guy in, in, in Harburg, and then we also talk about a guy like Isaac Gifford, kind of the same type of prototype, big, long, lanky, 
in Applegate where you've got some some similar body types to, to kind of do whatever he wants to do on the edge there at outside linebacker. But uh, with Harburg, if you get a guy at 6'6", like Torres or Bianco, who's about 6'3", guys that can move, but they're, they're the passer first, I think that's what you need. What you, what you don't want is too big of a project coming into college to try and throw the football in this offense. Great, you can tuck and run, but you're not running the option. You're not, remember, remember K-State's quarterbacks a few years back where if, if push came to shove, they were, they were great at, at running that quarterback counter and they were physical and they could finish off a run. But if K-State gotten into, gotten into trouble and uh, they're trying to throw to come from behind, it was all over. <laughs> you need to make that shift and, and go get guys that are more college ready or can, can get quicker up to speed as a thrower in this offense. So they're looking at those guys, and uh, let's see if Nebraska lands either of them. I mean, just look at what we saw from Adrian Martinez freshman year. Mm-hmm. I know there's been complaints about his his throwing over the past two years, um, but his freshman year, uh, he came in, game against Colorado, he, well. he threw the ball really well, mm-hmm. uh, and he had better wideouts to throw it to, obviously. Um, but it's you, part of this equation, too. <laughs> but you saw how important it was to have that quarterback that could deliver the ball accurately, and then you saw the difference uh, with Luke McCaffrey really not being able to deliver the ball with consistency where he wanted it to go. Um, so you can see... While the the running threat is huge, and I mean, Luke McCaffrey posed all sorts of different threats for a defense because of the way he could run the ball, he was still unable to throw the ball well enough to be a a consistent threat doing it, and it just wasn't the same as whenever Adrian was in at the end of last year with what he could do. So that's what they're looking for. They're looking for that guy that can throw the ball and is good enough running the ball because really at the end of the day, your quarterback shouldn't be the focus of your running game. It should be your running back. Well, and you know what's weird too? When, When we got to see Luke McCaffrey... I know he's departed and he's at Louisville and all that good stuff. But when Luke came in towards the end of 19, what did he do? He was on the move throwing the football. He wasn't on the move that often. They were asking him to drop back quite a bit, right? Mm -hmm. And that wasn't a strength, clearly. Uh, So I look to see if they can get more movement out of Adrian in the pocket some some just some some roles okay some uh, some waggle action for for him and find a tight end find a tight end get a crossing route or take a deep shot we'll see what what style nebraska can kind of move towards with their offense passing wise if they want a five or seven step drop or a three-step quick out fine whatever but just do what the quarterback can do best and we'll see what uh, that is with Adrian. Let's uh, hear from Will Bolt. The uh, media session earlier today is Nebraska gearing up for Northeastern, but uh, Arkansas on our minds because of the Dave Van Horn connection. And uh, here is Will Bolt, that mindset heading into the regional. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, I don't know that any of our guys felt anything other than, hey, we got a chance to go play in a regional in a great environment um, against a really good team on Friday. And, you know, I I think our guys all were ready to embrace it. You know, there's been a lot of things thrown at us this year. We've just kind of rolled with it and we've kind of let it um, roll right off our shoulders. And we knew the only way that we had a guarantee to play in the postseason was to win the league. And our guys have been on a mission all year long to do that. And now that we're here, we're ready to keep going. Well, straight facts from Will Bolt, and they're locked in. They're ready to go. 
they are going with Povich. That's uh, the number one for Nebraska baseball. He's incredible. Great season. Uh, Northeastern is not going with their top pitcher. But uh, Will Bolt expanded on why go with Povich on Friday night. You know, the, our first initial thought was keep it the same. Um, you know, the most important game is the one right in front of you. That's the way we've played it all year long. And um, we've done that even in some of the pod matchups where um, maybe there was another matchup that could be played or something like that. We just, you know, we feel like the, the most important game is the one that's in front of us. To keep these guys on normal rest. Um, there was a bit a bit of discussion just to make sure that we were dotting all our I's and crossing all our T's. Uh, but really, at the end of the day, we were all very uh, convicted in the, in the fact that we needed to keep uh, Povich on Friday. It's pretty simple for me. He's your best. Go get a win. Don't look past. And uh, Babbers uh, highlighted yesterday the fact that You've got 119 stolen bases by Northeastern. Povich is a lefty. A, he's got a great shot of not letting that leadoff guy on base. B, uh, a lefty is a lot easier to to kind of help control the running game than a righty. And I'll also say, I mean, look how much harder that path is if you go lose game one. It's Even with Povich. <laughs> to even get a chance to go back and play Arkansas, you'd have to go win two elimination games mm-hmm. if you lose that first game. So it's so, so important to get off to a good start because even if you lose that game to Arkansas after you beat Northeastern, if that is to happen, mm-hmm. um, it's okay if you lose because then you go play an elimination game and then you'd go play Arkansas in the in the championship, having to beat them twice most likely. I'm, I'm assuming yeah. Arkansas is probably going to win their first game uh, and – I mean, unless somebody goes down to Fayetteville and I, I obviously I kid, but I would assume there's some some random NCAA drug testing before the regionals. Unless somebody, someone, someone pulls a Kramer, you know, where he spills uh, the, uh, the the fat yogurt that really did have fat frozen yogurt. And it, it, it kind of whips up the old cholesterol of the then New York mayor. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm saying, yeah, the Slim and Nutt, and someone named Slim left town. It's it's going to be tough this weekend. Yeah, unless, unless the New Jersey Institute of Technology pulls out a $20 bill and a little note that says, I am 22. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. exactly. <laughs> so when it comes to Schwellenbach, uh, Schwelly's going to be huge because, say, Nebraska wins Friday, and, and you're going to start Roach on, on Saturday. Maybe you get a great game from him. Maybe Arkansas does what they do to people. You can bring Schwelly in, and, and he's – I mean, he's battle-tested to, to go many different roles, many different rounds for you this weekend. He's been one of our best pitchers, so um, we need to maximize his innings over the course of the weekend. And um, whatever whatever that scenario presents itself, um, we'll, he's ready for it. Um, he's extended out. I mean, he's thrown 70 pitches in an outing before. He's thrown six pitches in an outing before. He's bounced back into multiple days in a row. Um you know, he's not going to hold anything back at this point. And, and obviously, uh, short of anything, he would put his health in jeopardy. Um, we're, he's going to be ready to pitch in a variety of different situations. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Ten minutes away, Gary Barnett will talk recruiting, official visits, managing June for college football coaches this summer. And uh, we'll dive into the styles of quarterback, how you go recruit and develop that. Uh, and then Pat Casey, multiple-time national champion with Oregon State. Get his preview of college baseball's regionals getting cranked up. Did you shed a tear for Coach K today? 
the final hurrah for the Duke man and head coach and five-time national champion. And again, it's time to ride off into the sunset. It's got nothing to do with what college basketball's turned into. This on the, of course, heels of Nebraska Athletics announcing their, their release with just how much in the forefront they have been with name, image, and likeness. And, of course, uh, the, the deal signed by Open Doors partnering with Twitter because Blake Lawrence and Adi Kunalik are brilliant Awesome dudes, phenomenal, and for them to to get locked in with Twitter and uh, to be on the forefront for college athletes, and you think about Nebraska with Adrian Martinez, his podcast, Lexi Sun for Husker Volleyball, the, the, the opportunities will be endless, and Nebraska is going to go about this partnered with the college business uh, the right way from an educational standpoint, but also... Uh, they're embracing what this new reality is and a stronger, larger, louder voice for college athletes. And well, you can love it, you can hate it, but it is, right? So what do you do with it? Do you stomp your feet or do you embrace and try and and help your student athletes with it? And that's what Nebraska is doing moving forward here with this name, image, and likeness. And you got Blake Lawrence and Ad, Audie and uh, Open Doors and Twitter and I think Nebraska is going to be in a good spot to, to help win some recruiting battles with this. Ultimately, it's about getting your education. This can be and will be educational for people, uh, for kids 18 to 22 or beyond coming into this, and, and they'll get groomed to be responsible with it. That's what you want. Yeah, and before we get like too deep in the woods here, I, I sh- did you see the song that Coach K walked out to this morning at his press conference? I, I heard it, and I'm just kind of like, not my scene. I'm just so confused. Fill, fill me in. Well, he, I, it's supposed I, to be like an emotionally jolting moment because here comes Coach K. Yeah, well, so you, you set up this emotionally jolting moment for Coach K. Here is the song that they played. Sounds like Britney. Yeah, every time we touch. Hmm. Like what a weird, weird choice for like Coach K, legendary coach, to come out walking. It, it wasn't his choice. You don't think it was his choice? He was he was dancing along to it. Of course he was, <laughs> and I'm sure it looked fabulous. It looked crazy. Every time I see a 70 year old man dance, it, it makes me smile that I'm not that guy getting getting filmed dancing crazily. People were up there slapping their hands. Just shut up and tell us why you're really retiring. That's all I want. It's control. Him and Roy and the college basketball world, they're sick of it. They're sick of wooing kids and then having kids either tap out or leave or both. Mm-hmm. And and then coming up with, oh, yeah, out of COVID precaution, we're not going to participate in the ACC tournament. We're not going to participate in the NCAA tournament because we weren't going to make it this year. That's what he is. Great coach, wonderful mentor, but let's just be honest. All right, we'll uh, talk to you in hour two next. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. 
Welcome to an hour two. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbert will check in with former Oregon State baseball coach Pat Casey. He'll run down the baseball regionals, Nebraska, Arkansas, Northeastern, and the New Jersey Institute of Technology. That's the uh, Fayetteville Regional, so some Husker baseball in about 25 minutes. We'll stick with some college football and say hi to Gary Barnett, the coach, Hall of Famer at Colorado and Northwestern. Coach, what are you doing today? Uh, a little housework, uh, house repairs right now, Chris, so overwhelmed. So I got workmen everywhere. I got no privacy. My dog's barking. It's just I'm in over my head. You sound a little, <laughs> a little, a little frustrated. So what? What's what's happening? Are we are we adding on to the deck? Are we doing some new tile? What's up? And we're painting the house, uh, and then we're we're changing out all the the uh, slate tile on our back patio and our front porch, and. Uh, we got everybody here doing it. We got jackhammers going right and left. We got tile being thrown around. We got paint being slushed. So, yeah, it's just one of those things. You uh, are you a much of a fixer upper yourself? I I'm awful. I mean, I I don't have a toolbox and I I can't paint. So. I'm not Mr. Fix-It, and my wife ridicules me. Do you, did you ever do shop class, or were you a fixer-upper ever? Yeah, you know, I actually did. My wife actually taught shop class in junior high for a while. But, you know, I used to do the basements of everything but the electricity, the basements of all of our assistant football coaches when they would buy a new house. So I'd finish the basement off. I did the did the taping and the mudding and the painting and uh, a lot of the carpenter work so i can do most things i just but this is heavy tile stuff and it's got to be removed and uh you know i don't do that stuff very well so that, i could paint it all that's it, but I'm, I'm too old to do that that's incredible that you were you were the basement finisher guy for your, yeah for your, yeah was, was that in the contract was that like whenever you signed the dotted line said you got to do you the hire me <laughs> it, it cost him a case of beer Really? And, uh, it's a deal. I, I worked very cheaply. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, that's pretty good. A case of beer, cold, preferably. I'll be over at, uh, at 7. Gary Barnett's with us. So you Back men- then, we, you know, we sprayed the ceilings, and you could put that sparkle up in your ceiling. So I can't tell you how many ceilings and basements I've done with sparkles, and I'm sure they've ripped them out now. But, <laughs> oh, yeah, we did it all. Man, that's good. Well, your house sounds a lot like the the month of June for many college football coaches here trying to squeeze in camps and official visits and also get on site to see some satellite camps. And it's a whirlwind, and the Athletics got a good story. Bruce Feldman did it and talked with Coach Fitzgerald, uh, him talking to his wife in May saying, hey, I love you, but I'll see you after June. And then we'll go on vacation before the season starts. Everything's uh, playing catch up because of, of the pandemic. How would you how would you go about, I guess, organizing, Coach, what you'd try and do in June if we're talking as many as 50 kids coming in, in one month? And that's Ohio State's looking at 50. Nebraska's got a number of kids tomorrow night for their Friday night lights camp and some of the, the quarterbacks they're eyeing in the next three weeks. And how would you go about it? Because, I mean, part of 
part of the the job has been planning, and and I know you were you were pretty meticulous with with your plan of action. Well, I read the article you're talking about, and and you know what these guys are facing right now is you're right. It's the end of the pandemic, and everything all of a sudden has become illegal for one month, and so all the stuff that they would use, they would take probably seven, eight months. They're going to all you know, be able to do it in one month. And so it does take a great deal of planning, but, you know, they've had to know that this sort of thing was coming. So they've had plenty of time to round up people and, to, you know, you have a lot of graduate assistants and analysts and things like that that can help you with all this stuff. And, um, you know, it's, it, it's, it'll be a, it'll be a, a big juggle juggling act for probably 30 days. And, uh, there won't be a lot of sleep, and you'll be on the road, and you know that's just the way it is. But they've been at home for for seven or eight months, and my guess is about half of those wives, if not three quarters of them, are just doggone glad to get them out of there for a month. <laughs> that's their vacation is getting them out of the house. So, um, but you've had time to plan it, and you do. You have to you, you have to take care of all the people have to be picked up at the airport, dropped off. I mean, it's it's uh, it's overwhelming. Um, if you don't have a good plan. And, you know, I, I'm sure all those guys at that time put it together and have come up with something for sure. Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. We're talking the, the summer weeks here and, and uh, the execution and the plan with uh, seven, eight months jammed into one for college football coaches. Coach, how would you divide your summers up? Would you what would you do camp-wise? What did you want to get out of camp from a prospect look-see? But also, what, what were you able to do? What could you do from a, from a visit standpoint, from an observation standpoint? Well, it, it, uh, it, it's evolved. And my last couple of years, we, it, was, it was as though you don't really have a vacation in the summer because we had so many people coming through during the summer doing unofficial visits that you had to have coaches on duty constantly uh, ready for somebody to walk into your your building um, we used June for camps and we 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 did two kinds of camps we did a prospect camp and then we did just a general camp for um, kids uh, from the eight and nine all the way up to high school and we did it as a service we did it to one um, get people to enjoy football, to get them exposed, but teach them fundamentals. And, and we, we thought of it as a service to the high school coaches in the state to, to help make their players better rather than an evaluation. Okay. We did our evaluations different, I mean, at a separate camp, so that somebody that was at one of our camps to get better didn't have to worry about uh, somebody who was really good getting all the attention and, Someone like themselves is just trying to play to be the second string center on a football team uh, wouldn't get as much attention. So we tried to we tried to make it as fair and equitable for everybody as we could. We just tried to we tell a coach that we're going to take your guys. I don't care what level they're on. We're going to make them better when we send them home to you. Mm-hmm. So and that was you know what that was fun and it was good. It, it was really it was really better than the prospect camp because. You know, you got kids that just wanted to get better, and so you spent your time working with them. So we do a full week, almost two weeks of that, and then a, another three days of the prospects. And we end up doing probably three different days during the summer for prospects because 
a lot of the prospects now are going from one camp to the next camp to the next camp. And, uh, you know, you can't put them through all the workouts that you want to put them through because it's too hard on them. So, um, you know, you, you depends if you got them early, uh, in, in the cycle, then you'd be able to see them do a lot later on. They were worn out and tired and burn out. And mm-hmm. so you couldn't see much. So it's, it, it's fluctuated with the time of month that these prospects would come in. So we didn't try to uh, overdo it with them. Uh, we really wanted to see them more and talk to them. And, uh, you know, we, we want to see their skills as much as we could, but we, we made sure that we stretched them really well and didn't send them home mm-hmm. with some sort of injury. Gary Barnett's with us, Hale City Radio. Coach, uh, a couple of quarterbacks Nebraska's looking at, and one kid they got – out of central Nebraska last year, big six five six six, more of a thrower, but also athletic enough to, to move, right? Not not a statue, so to speak. And a couple of the quarterbacks Nebraska is looking at here, uh, kind of in that same similar mold where they're probably a thrower first and a runner second. And I want to get your take here. And I, I remember the offenses you were a part of or or had, and it was – it was fun to see just the the shift where you'd kind of when you guys had the eye bone with Hagen right or Sal, you were really a good option team. And then for a while, it was kind of a one back, three wide, and then the West Coast with Watson there and with what you guys ran. Uh, and just kind of take me through a a decision to go a, a different way offensively, and B. What, what did you? What what helped kind of make that decision for you to go with a run first quarterback, or a a pass first guy, or did you just take a project you thought was a winner and let's see where the chips fall? Well, uh, in 1985, Coach McCartney decided to go to the wishbone, and so um, for for the next six years, we were pretty much a a wishbone, um, eye bone running quarterbacks, uh, you know, a lot of play-action passes. Mm-hmm. And then just about the time I left to go to Northwestern, then, um, you, you know, Dittmer came in, and so Mac changed the offense, and he went to wide outs. When I went to Northwestern, I, everybody was worried that I was going to come in and run the wishbone at Northwestern. That's what the players were all worried about. <laughs> Well, they had not been in that kind of system, and that's not what I would have run. If I were choosing to run an offense, that's not what I would have chose to run. I learned to do it and loved doing it and knew everything about it when I was at Colorado and and doing it. But uh, I wanted something that, uh, at at that time, Mike Price and Dennis Erickson, those guys were doing a lot of the no backs, one back, three wideouts, four wideouts kind of stuff. And I knew it was causing a lot of problems for defenses around the country. Everybody that would play them in a bowl game would just come back and say, whoa, where do you see those guys? So, um, you know, I, I had Greg Meyer who worked for Nick Saban, and he that's what they were doing. And believe that, that's what Nick was doing back then. And then uh, two other, Greg Brandon, who, who had learned the system from Mike Price and Dennis Erickson. And so, we, we sort of put that system in for two years at Northwestern. And at the end of two years, I was getting my butt handed to me on defense. I mean, I mean, we, our defense could not do anything. Um, 
we had pretty good skill, but we just we couldn't stop anybody. Mm-hmm. And so Ron Vanderlinen came in to see me, and he says, Coach, until we run the football ourselves, we're never going to be able to stop the run in this conference in the Big Ten. And I'd watched. I'd watched uh, us run up and down the field on Wisconsin, but then we couldn't stop them, and then it became a clinic. And so I, I really liked what they were doing, and so that's when I uh, went to a uh, uh, more of a ball possession, play great defense, run the football, play action, pass, some drop back, and that's what we ended up going to the Rose Bowl with for two years, or going to the big, won the Big Ten championship two years doing that. So when I came to Northwestern, came back from Northwestern to Colorado, uh, Tom Cable had been the coordinator. He was, he was totally a West Coast system, but that the West Coast system really fit what we were doing well. Mm-hmm. So then it became just sort of a natural movement into that, and that's what we, we did at, uh, at Colorado minus my, my seven years there. Was it tough to, to jump from one style of a quarterback and, and find another? Were you able to... to... To have connections, or did 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 it matter? Were you able to just recruit who you wanted? No, you know the, the guys we were playing with at Colorado run run the wishbone and the eyebone did not translate very well into the no back one back deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but the 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 kid who could throw it and and play in a no back one back offense, three wideouts could probably run what I started to run and that was the more of a running attack play action uh, manage the game so they could play there but but you could it was hard to go the other way to take a guy who's been throwing it throwing it put him in the wishbone that mm. that was really that was really a problem so uh, the guys who could throw it could fit into a to a run first system not an option system necessarily mm-hmm. but a run first now, now coach when we heard from the husker coaches earlier this offseason they told us that they uh they self-scouted this offseason and kind of found out their tendencies on offense and we're going to use things to uh, adjust their offense for this next season. So whenever you had your system in place, uh, how, how much were you changing your offense on, on a year-to-year basis to, to fit the guys that were going to be playing that next year? Well, uh, quite a bit. I mean, more, more than it appeared. You know, uh, a lot of the changes they make you never see. But we always spent uh, February and March doing what we call research and development. That's doing the same thing that Nebraska's been doing. A lot of self-scout, a lot of looking at what other people do that cause problems, a lot of looking at what other people did that caused problems for us. Uh, where, uh, you know, we had a complete stat breakdown of, of everything we did and where it was successful and where it wasn't. And then we'd look at that and try to figure out what it was that caused it. And then we decide how much of this do we want to keep and then how much of this do we want to change a little bit and so you know there was probably a 10 or 15 percent change both ways you got rid of 10 or 15 percent of the stuff you were doing that just you couldn't make work and then you probably added another 10 or 15 percent of stuff maybe that you gathered from someone else or stuff you wanted to do and you hadn't quite been able to do it but the, the big the issue is the challenge is is there's an old saying that you want to work it in not put it in which means it takes time. To, you have to discover what all the problems are when you put something new in. And that, and that just doesn't happen overnight. You've got to run it all of spring, all early fall camp, and in some games before you figure out what it is that's actually your problems and how you solve them. So it's, 
it's complicated and it takes a little time. And to the general public, you're probably not even aware of what they're not doing or what they decide to throw out. And, and it may not even be noticeable what they are doing sometimes. But the coaches know. Gary Barnett with us. Coach, this was fun, man. Thanks for, for uh, giving us some insight on quarterbacking and coaching and, and dealing with uh, busy June. Appreciate you uh, jumping on with us today. You bet, guys. Good being with you. Thanks. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Coach, hey, it's Chris and Elijah here in Nebraska. Sir, how are you? What's going on in Nebraska, man? They got a baseball field there now? We've got a a baseball (laughs) field, and... Uh, it, it's awesome to get to play, and uh, Coach, it's wonderful, wonderful to talk to you again. We usually talk to you uh, preseason or non-conference, I should say, and we're getting ready for a Nebraska-Oregon State matchup down in Arizona, but hey, uh, it's, it's better than, than, than a year ago with no baseball. How have you been? What have you been up to? I haven't been doing a whole lot, man. I've been trying to follow the, you know, I still got a son on the team, so I went to quite a few games, and um just kind of navigating the whole thing like everybody else. Bad Casey's with us here, three-time national champ, uh, coach at Oregon State. Uh, so you're watching your boy play. That's outstanding. How's retirement been? Has it been weird? Yeah, no, it's weird. I mean, it's um, it's different. You know, you 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 view things differently when you know um, you're watching it. I think maybe, and it's kind of hard when you're not in the dugout. And you can't really have anything to say you know but it's 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 been good man there's there's like anything there's good things and there's things you that could be better but uh i uh i'm just so excited about the fact that there's going to be lots of people in omaha and um my wife said to me she said we just need to go and go watch it and i said you know what you're probably right why don't we wait till the first two teams are out so there'll be a hotel in town right and uh, (laughs) roll in and watch the greatest show on dirt you also could you guys could also market you have the largest mask, uh, COVID mask with that tarp that you guys roll out there. At the time. So you're going to cover the field to protect that <laughs> COVID. You know, that, that that's one way to look at it. We will find, Coach, we'll find you a spot. And if you like cold beer, we'll get you a cold beer. Uh, and uh, I, lo- I, I like cold beer, and then you can find me a spot. And you know what? I'll come right up to that radio show and talk to you live and have cold beer right with you because you, you're working. You couldn't have one. Well, actually, I've got really cool bosses. <laughs> so do I. My wife likes cold beer too. <laughs> well, we, we're 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 set up in a in a brewery. Actually, we'll we'll be at we'll oh, be at a brewery. Wow. So That's cool. Yeah, Pat Casey's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, legendary coach at Oregon State, three time national champion, and coach got to meet you a few years ago, of course, on Radio Row, and you were so awesome to every time man to to do an interview yeah, and yeah. you had some great teams and I, I'm interested in your take on on the field on the seating and just kind of from the outside looking in and, and you're not really outside but follow me on that what what was your takeaway here with, with how things kind of went down with some of the the regional sites and is that something you ever had to battle or deal with with maybe going uh someplace when maybe you felt like hey maybe maybe uh we should have been hosted yeah well i think that happens to a lot of clubs you know at oregon state before we had any street cred you know there were a couple years we definitely should have got in but um you know uh we had to we 
had to get there. Once we got there, it was, it was pretty good. And um, I think every year you could probably look at a regional and go, that kind of looks like um, that one's a little stronger than another one. But I'm not sure how you ever really balance that out. I mean, you know, anybody that gets to a regional usually is um, playing pretty good. And um, so, anyhow, I, I just I, – yeah, I think there's some that are pretty – I think Tennessee's got a pretty tough regional. I think Mississippi's got a pretty tough regional. Um, I think there's some regionals that are winnable. Um, now, that deal in Fayetteville is going to be lit up pretty good now. They're going to get after it because, you know, they've been they've been wanting to get back there, and they got such a great club, and they got such good people, and uh, they've done such a great job. You know, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see them, you know, uh, right there snuggled up in Omaha. And, and uh, But, you know, who knows, man? I'm always looking for that surprise team to come like the Beavers did. 05 and everybody said where in the heck is Oregon State University we know that there's Pacific Ocean but we thought maybe that the that it stopped at the um, at the California border or something <laughs> now coach I want to ask uh, do you see any teams that you see are blatantly overseeded or underseeded it's a little different in the, in the NCAA tournament as compared to say the NCAA basketball tournament but I, I look at uh, down the Oxford Regional, Southern Miss uh, playing Ole Miss. That's a really tough draw for Ole Miss. And then obviously I, I look at Nebraska going down to, uh, to Fayetteville to play Arkansas. 15, 20 minutes. Okay. I didn't hear that. I'm sorry. My taxi driver was in my ear. <laughs> no worries. I was just asking you about, about tough draws you think that uh, some of these teams got, some of these home teams specifically. I mean, Arkansas drawing yeah. Nebraska is pretty tough. And I, I look down in Oxford and see uh, the Rebels playing Southern Miss. That's a really tough draw for Ole Miss. Do, do you think – a that there's more of those this year, and and B what kind of job did the NCA have having to having to pick these regionals out this year? Well, I think the NC2A, you know, as a whole, that's a tough job every year. You know what I mean? Because here's what you're doing: I said, go on. And what happens if this team wins this conference? You know, what happens if this team, um, you know, uh, doesn't win their conference tournament? And then all of a sudden, so many things shift that, you know, there's some decisions that have to made, be made pretty quick. So, you know, I I, 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 really, I I do think there's some regionals that you look at, and like you mentioned, uh, Mississippi's got their hands full, Tennessee's got their hands full. Um, and then you look around and you look at some, some other regions that maybe somebody's coming in there and they're, and they're warmed up pretty good, you know. And um, then there's people like South Carolina that get a, a real opportunity to host when, you know, they weren't a number one seed, and and so I just, I just think you know they right down to um, what happens between the white line. You know, kind of throw out everything if we think you should have been. Pat Casey's with us. Few minutes here. Hale Varsity Radio, uh, legendary coach at Oregon State, three-time national champ, and uh, coach. I want to go a little further in depth from what you've seen of Arkansas. And, and what Coach Van Van Horn has this year, and and just your relationship with Coach Van Horn, uh, just both guys that that really built winning programs. Dave, of course, in Nebraska, and then killing it at Arkansas, and of course, what you did at Oregon State. Yeah, you know, Dave, I got all the respect in the world for Dave. He's awesome, and um, you know, he started there at Nebraska and took them to the World Series twice, and. Um, you know, Davey's first-class guy now. He's really, really got a role, and, and um, I, I just can't tell you how uh, impressive it is to look at his club. I think they're just really, really offensive 
Um, you know, their 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 pitching has got some depth. You know, I think Cops got um, ten wins and ten saves. That's mm-hmm. kind of unheard of in college baseball. They got a real shortstop. Um, they got power. You know, I know Slavens went down with a ankle injury. I don't know if he'll be back. He's one of their guys. But uh, you know, you got David Moore at second base, a switch hitting guy that's as good as anybody uh, around at that position. So they just got some real strength. And I, I really like the uh, DVH. He's just uh, he's just a good man. And um, you know, we had a real battle with him there. And and uh, you know, fortunately for us, we got a break and. And got us rolling, but uh, he's he's one of the best at, at doing what he does. That's for sure. Now that league was really really good this year too. Um, I mean, I watched a lot of games, uh, had a lot of time on my hands. I watched a lot of games, and you know, there's some clubs um, that might surprise some other clubs too. And and um, I think that's the fun thing about Omaha. You know, when everybody when every there's nobody that's not playing good when they get to Omaha because they've won a regional and super regional. Um, that's 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 the thing that everybody has to understand, and you know you got to play well at the right time. You got to do the right things, and generally they come back to what you've been doing all year long. You know, if you good getting good practice habits and do good things in practice, you generally do them in a game. And um, the better you do them, the bigger in the bigger situations um, you get to play in big games. Coach Casey's with us here, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, we'll we'll won't keep you too much longer. Your thoughts on on the job Rob Childress did at A and M? Sad that that he uh, is no longer going to be there. A lot of connections, obviously, to, to to Nebraska, but he just did a wonderful job at A and M. And I've heard his name mentioned for the Rice opening. But do you think there's still a, a lot of baseball left for for Coach Childress? Well, first of all, you know Rob's one of the first class guys in this game. I mean, you know you can't you can't get much better guy than Rob Childress and. Uh, you're right. I think if people, if you would look at what he accomplished there in the time he was there, and how many regionals he went to, and how many how many um, super regionals he went to, and I know I think he went twice to the College World mm-hmm. Series. And you know, I just I, I wish people, um, you know, understood how difficult it is to consistently win, and and um, and, and to consistently get to Omaha. I mean, that's just not quite as easy as people think. I mean, you know, you think about nearly 300 Division One clubs competing and eight, eight get to go to Omaha. Ball has to bounce your way. You have to stay healthy. Um, you got to avoid disaster in the draft. And, um, you know, nobody uh, did it with more class than Rob Childers. That guy is, uh, to me, is, is you know, where college baseball should be. He's a He's a leader of men. He's he's just a just a great guy, man. And I and I think do I think he has more baseball in him? Absolutely. Uh, wouldn't shock me at all that he gets a head coaching position. Uh, Dave would be one of or Rob would be one of the most the, one of the best pitching coaches in the country if he chose to do that. You know, and and the landscape's changing, man. In college baseball too. You know, when you can you can saddle up and transfer and go anywhere you want, anytime you want. You know. That deal's that deal's changed a little bit too, so uh, we'll see. But uh, Rob is Rob's first class guy in my book. Last thought here, Coach and, and, and Coach Pat Casey's with us, uh, Oregon State uh, legend and three time champ. Will Bolt, uh, just his second year, kind of a, a weird year one with just fifteen games before COVID. What's your what's your reaction to Will's season and what what you've seen uh, from from Nebraska this year? 
Well, those those two questions back back to back are good questions because I think, you know, I think that he did such a great job at uh, at A and M. Those guys are hard to replace in one year, you know. And when you're a head coach and you got so many things going on, and you you have an assistant coach that has so many responsibilities and does such a great job. Those guys are hard to replace, mm-hmm. and and that showed a little bit too. But um, you know, I am pumped. Uh, I I really. I've got a great relationship with Bill Moose. I think he hits a home run just about every time he hires somebody. And I knew when he hired Will that you know that thing was going to be real, real good. And he's already showed up. And it happened, and you know they're you know they're not uh, they're not in the region that they. I get it. They got to go to. I think they're going to Fayetteville. Yeah. But they're they're going they're going to make somebody beat them. I mean, they're not going to go any place and not and not really play the game the way it should be played. In my opinion, uh, you're going to have to. You're going to have to get them out, and they're going to pitch, and they're going to fight, and they're going to battle, and they're going to do everything. And now, Hail Varsity Radio. Good stuff from Pat Casey, a longtime head coach, three-time national champ with Oregon State. Good insight on Nebraska baseball on the job Rob Childress did at A&M and uh, the Will Bolt hire that's been great for Nebraska. More with Coach Casey here and his uh, relationship with Bill Moose. How far do you go back with Moose? Give us a little backstory. Oh man, Moose is—he's such a good guy. Bill Moose called me, and I knew him before that, but he called me when we won our first national championship in 2006. And he was at Oregon, of course, you know. And so we knew each other from a mutual friend of ours. We got a buddy that he was a partner with in a business named Tim Hennessy. And um, I got to know Bill and um, have all the respect in the world for him. And and uh, I actually came out there and saw me and Tim actually went out there and saw him and and uh, spent some time with him. Went to a football game and uh, and um, had a great time. And we were planning on going back. And then of course, uh, COVID hit and changed everybody's direction. And so um, anyhow, uh, I really, really think the world of him. And um, you know, I know they got that the the new practicing going there at. at uh, at Nebraska with football, and um, you know, I, I I love it out there. You know, um, it seems like every time I come out there, other than once, I've had a pretty good time. You know, <laughs> and uh, people are real good to me, and you know, um, I, I love uh, my my kids. Still talk to heck. He's twenty three years old. Still talks about wanting to go to the candy store in downtown Omaha. So I said, "Gee, <laughs> Grammy, you know, I gotta I gotta get back to to Omaha." So um, got a good friend there, Mark Gillespie, who I played. Uh, uh, professional baseball with in the Padres organization, and uh, just uh, you know, we just we just have a blast when we go when we head out there. And of course, you know, the players. I'll never forget one of my one of my best friends in baseball was was Mike Gillespie, and uh, they won it in '98. And in 2005, uh, they had Ian Kennedy, and they had Clement, and they had some other guys, and they were real real good. And we beat them on the last day of the season to win the conference. And I said, geez, I'm glad I don't have to see those guys anymore. Well, they go down and win their their regional at Long Beach State, so I guess we get to come back to Oregon State in the Supers, <laughs> and we got to beat them again. Jeez. And uh, he told me, he said, Case, I wanted to go to Omaha so bad that you can't even believe it. But he said, if I couldn't go, he said, there's no team I would rather see go than you guys. He said, um, you guys um, have inspired me because we never dreamed that – you know the pack, the six pack should expand and get into the 
into the to the north and you proved me wrong and you did it right and you're a friend and you won't believe that how they're going to treat you they're going to treat you like a king and um man he was right and uh i'll never forget that and we won uh, we lost in 05 in 06 we won the championship and he wrote me a letter and uh, i still have it that's awesome and uh rest in peace my friend mike gillespie but uh mm-hmm. there's been some amazing people that have you know uh, walk down those tunnels at Rosenblatt, now Ameritrade, and and uh, you know you guys, just everything about it. I I can't even explain to people that haven't gone. I just said if I could tell you, I would, but you just got to go. And so, because uh, that's what was told to me in 2003 by a booster. And I said I'm not going unless I have my team. He said, Oh no, you need to go. And fortunately, we ran into one in 2005, and now I'm on the radio with you guys. <laughs> Last thought here, Coach. Really appreciate you taking the time out of, out of your afternoon to do this. Um, that road to Omaha, it's so special to, to get to Omaha, but on the road, it, it, it's so tough to get through a regional and then through, through a super regional. So when you're looking at Will Bolt, his first full head uh, full year as a head coach, just is there anything different that you got to do whenever you're coaching in a regional as compared to a, a normal weekend series? No, I don't think so. I think you, you know, I think you have to do what you've been doing all year long. You just got to do it at a real, real high level. And you've got to, and you got to do it with the same, you know, confidence and the t- same intensity. I think the thing for them, I don't think they played out of conference. Um, that co- I don't think that the, that the Big Ten played out of conference, which is kind of unusual, obviously. Mm-hmm. So that could be a situation where maybe it's a little bit different um, for those guys. Um, Will will know how he'll know how to navigate that, but you know, I just think that I think what he's probably going to do, in my guess, would be he's probably going to tell them. You know, man, we got here because we played good baseball, and and we don't need to change anything other than the fact that uh, um, we we need to do what we're doing and and even do it at a higher level. But um, we know what got us here, and uh, let's 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 do it. Let's have some fun doing it, and uh, let's get after it. And I think they will. I think they're going to play well. You know, I think they got a challenge, man. I think they that's a that's a real that's a real tough place to play. Yeah. Pat Casey, coach, best to you. We'll get you that cold beer when we see you in Omaha in a couple weeks. I'm, hey, I'm holding you to it, my friend. Uh, I'm holding you to it. I got I don't have very good memory anymore since so I got to write this down, so I'm on it, man. Chris Schmidt beer buying beer. beer. Coach Casey, done. Right on. Right on. <laughs> have a good time uh, down in Texas, coach. Hope to see you guys here. All right, man. Bye-bye. Coach Casey, he's the best man, been uh, talking to us uh, since that 2005 championship. Uh, first to three with Oregon State. He's watching his boy play down at the TCU Regional, but phenomenal insight on on Nebraska and uh, just uh, what he thinks of Will Bolt, what he thinks of Rob Childress, what he thinks of Bill Moose, which was cool to, to know their relationship. And he said a key term, Earlier in the interview, uh, last segment, just having to just having to grind and kind of climb your way up before you got that street cred, and and his program exploded after about year nine or year ten. They've been building and building and competitive and competitive, and then the breakthrough, the Jaco- Jacoby Ellsberries of the world, where he just, I mean, he all of the hard work matched with talent and development, and then they. It seemed like they were in Omaha every year. And coming out of the Pac-12, that was traditionally dominated and is still heavy with UCLA, still heavy with UC, uh, with USC. 
and think of all the, the the names and greats that have gone through through USC, right? I mean, McGuire, Randy Johnson. Those are two that come to my mind. Arizona State, for the love of God, right? I mean, the from the Pac-10 slash Pac-12, Arizona's been good. Oregon's now a, a thing in baseball, right? Because why not? It's Oregon. But you have Oregon State that's still still got his fingerprints all over it. And uh, such a guy, such a great guy to tap into. You know, you look at, at Will Bolt, and, and he's got that street cred, and, and he says don't let it go unnoticed that, you know, Bolt leaving A&M, it, it, it wasn't an easy thing for A&M, wasn't an easy thing for Childress, not in a negative sense. You're just losing someone really, really good. And you see where Nebraska's at. I know they want more work to do beyond this weekend. We'll see if they get it. But to me, and maybe I'm jumping the gun here, but I think you've got Will Bolt with, as a player, yeah, already a ton of street cred because of what he was a part of with Nebraska baseball. But as a coach this soon, doing what he's done, and let's see what work can happen this weekend, tomorrow night at 7, you've got high level of street cred. You're waiting for basketball. Fred's got a ton of street cred. He's got a lot of high-level talent coming in. He's bringing in five stars this weekend. And I think you'll see that at PBA here shortly, right? You see a high level an athlete. For Scott Frost, he came in with street cred. Obviously, as a, as a player, and what he did at Central Florida, Florida, you're waiting for that to, to kind of reemerge right now with Nebraska football. The street cred that program's had for, for five decades, yes, but recently, not all on him. That's where Nebraska's trying to get back. We'll uh, wind down a Thursday at Tale of Our City, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring me in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks to Coach Pat Casey. Thanks to Coach Gary Barnett. And great stuff recruiting-wise from Greg Smith. Tomorrow on the show, the pride of Fairbury, Bill Dolman, Burke's best bet, Danny Burke, will get his take on a Friday night in the NBA. And uh, Derek Peterson will also join the show. So Vogue's Dr. Petey, Bill Dolman, and the pride of Chicago, Danny Burke. Reminder about buckling up. There's over 1,500 crashes each year in Nebraska involving an impaired driver driving drunk, buzzed, or high. Never acceptable. Law enforcement officers working every day to stop it before anyone gets killed or injured. If you're going to drive, don't drink. If you do drink, designate a sober driver or get a ride share. Get that ride. A DUI costs more than you think. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Some comments from Dave Van Horn when it comes to facing former assistants. Think about uh, Dave Van Horn's coaching tree, uh, the number of times that Coach Childress and Van Horn would square off when Coach Anderson was here, of course. Uh, that uh, Nebraska would play Arkansas as well. Coach Van Horn uh, today, when it comes to, and you've seen that picture on social media, Dave and, and, and Will smiling and shaking hands. Now, Van Horn did comment on kind of the, 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 the student and, and pupil type uh, take on things. I don't particularly like coaching against former players because at the end of the day, one of us isn't going to be happy. 
And that's about right. Uh, so, you know, this uh, this will be interesting this weekend. I think Nebraska will play well. I think they'll play poised, and I think they're going to play uh, that style of, of Will Bolt baseball because he's got them to do it all year. And they've bounced back when there's been some adversity. They are they are the the most mentally tough team between this and, uh, of course, uh, yeah, volleyball. But those are your two pillars right now when you talk Nebraska athletics. Husker baseball, super mentally tough. Uh, Husker volleyball, uh, national champs, obviously. Uh, Uber mental toughness. So it should be good. So you had a chance to see Arkansas this year against Ole Miss. Yes. And and you saw them lose or win? I actually saw them lose. So you saw the 13-7 to 7 score fest. I did. You I saw did. The, you saw a gorilla ball. Well, the next day was like 16-14 to 14 score fest, and I missed that one. Um, but what yeah, I'll Arkansas say— Arkansas can outscore you if they need to. I was going to say, my, my main takeaway was you got to put up about 10 runs on a really, really, really good pitching staff for a chance to be able to, to win against Arkansas. I don't care how good the pitcher you're throwing out there against Arkansas. They is. just hit. Arkansas is going to put a— across at least five runs a game. I'd put it more likely in the eight to nine range, if not more than 10. Uh, so that that's my number one key for the Huskers this weekend is to get some early runs support uh, for the pitching staff against a very good Arkansas starter uh, in the event that they do play Arkansas, I should add. Um, but that, that would be the key. But yeah, it, it's it really comes down to can the Huskers put up 10 runs against Arkansas if they do play them? And can you hold them to less than 10 runs, which that just sounds obvious, but 10 runs. Oof. Well, here's the other thing. You know, you heard Will Bolt earlier about Schwelly. Does he go as a starter against Arkansas if Nebraska wins tomorrow night? Do you go do you go Roach or do you go Schwelly? Or do you start Roach out and bring Schwelly in in short order if need be? We'll talk more and get you ready for Husker uh, baseball tomorrow. Busy one on Friday. Thanks for spending time.